The journey of every Olympics has been the best part. Take away my gold medal, I'm so glad we won, but take them away like, man, I grew up and I learned and I deeply connected with people along the way. So that's how I'm really trying to frame my last Olympic go, you know, is to be where your feet are, treat every moment as new. Don't bring past bullshit or past expectations like it's new. What's up everyone, I'm Paul Rabel, pro athlete and co-founder of the Premier Lacrosse League, and this is an all new episode of Suiting Up Podcast. So far this season, I've sat down to interview NFL Hall of Famer and legend, Mr. Jim Brown, as well as a titan in the movie business, director, writer, actor, producer, Peter Berg. And on today's episode, we continue the ramp up with one of the greatest Olympians of all time. Honestly, I think when you take the spread across her career, the fact that she's a team sport athlete, how many Olympics she's played in, I'd venture to call her the greatest. And de facto, now the best volleyball player in the world, Carrie Walsh Jennings. And on the show, we talk first, though, about the spirit of athlete entrepreneurship because as talented as an Olympian Carrie is, she also launched a professional volleyball league herself called Platform 1440. And as a product of that, she set the bar so high for many of us athlete entrepreneurs. We also take a deep dive into time management, skills in business, the culture of sports, especially growing up a female in a predominantly male athlete environment training methodologies that she continues to use today to perform at the highest level, the psychology of sports, family, and much more. Hope you're enjoying the season thus far. This is Suiting Up Podcast, and here is Carrie Walsh Jennings. All right, so thanks for joining me. You're welcome. It's been a long time coming. I know. Thank you for your patience. Uh, Even today I was late. That's okay. Yeah, I'm a nightmare. (laughs) We'll talk about time management, but your time management (laughs) is actually great. Given yeah. all the stuff you're doing. Oh, well, I guess it's it all has relative. To be. I don't I I don't know how to answer that. You know, I fail every single day. You know, I in college they train you to be on time and to be a student athlete, you have to have very good time management, right? And um I feel like I'm leaning into those practices that I had in college, but I'm failing every day because now I have kids and now I just, I don't juggle as well maybe, or yeah. I'm just have more balls than I've ever had yeah. in life. Yeah. Well, for sure. Um, and, and I would say that, uh, I, I at least look at even the medical field. I was reminded by this, I reminded this by someone recently is that like, Hey, uh, the, the top surgeons are always seemingly late. And, uh, you're, you're aggravated with them, but the reality is, is like, they're very present in each of their assignments and they have to do them to their best of their ability. And oftentimes they do. And if that requires you to carry over a little bit, because people are looking for you to make the decision. Sure. I love that. If you walk in, I've started to walk into each day, giving myself additional rope that I will be late. And it helps me because I get a ton of anxiety when I'm late. Oh my God, right? Yeah. Me too. That's why I texted you before I was late that I was going to be late. But that's <laughs> why I also texted you when I was like, it's totally okay. <laughs> I know. Because I, <laughs> I felt it. I yeah. Felt it. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate knowing that about the surgeons and it's right. You know, yeah. you want to do it. You want to be where you are. You're running you a league right. and you're playing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I am. And you have kids and a I husband. Do. And I and... want to be somewhat clean. I just got two two back to back workouts, and I was such a mess. And so I I faked a shower. How how so often do you. you work out now? Um, Fridays usually three workouts. Three um, workouts. but my trainer for usually I have a six a.m. on a Friday, and he's in Mexico, so I got to sleep in a little bit. Today. Yeah. But my workouts, so I'm on the beach usually four or five days a week playing beach volleyball, yeah. um, for about two hours. Really efficient, really focused. A lot of reps, um, a lot of fun. And then I will usually have one or two more workouts either one before and one after or two after. And those are like strength and conditioning specifically or still involve a volleyball? I No, no volleyball. Um, I will lift weights twice a week with my people down in Orange County at Fast Twitch. I've been doing that for 19 years with my guy, Tommy Knox. I love him. Um, So Tuesday, Thursdays, I have that after training. And Mm. then Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I have my thoracic spine specialist, my movement specialist. Um, and he's right here at the Bay Club in El Segundo. Yeah. I see him three times a week. And then Carrie is my Pilates teacher. And I see her three times a week, three once times. in studio, once on the beach, once in my backyard. Yeah. Um, just the different playing surfaces are really important. Yeah. You know, like if you're on the sand all the time, your body's going to forget how to move on hard surface. And I think that 
you need to play on hard surface to remind yourself you could be very explosive. Yeah. Cause sand, the displacement, you oh, know, you it's feel just it. everything. Yeah. I are just, you training in the sand right now? A, a little bit. You are. Yeah. And I've, I, and then I get back on to turf and I feel faster. It's almost like when you take a weight vest off yeah. after you've been training. Yeah. And yeah. the first couple of workouts I had in the sand, I was like sore in my shins and my Achilles because you're working yeah, yeah. you're being forced, especially cause it's really deep sand here. It's good sand. Being forced to, to use all these muscles that maybe got cut off because mm-hmm. of the boxiness of a shoe or a cleat and, sure. you know, our, our like top heaviness as, as traditional athletes. Um, but okay. So, so more on your workout. So, yep. uh, would you say when you're doing three, is that, are you doing upwards of like four hours? Yeah. Four hours. Yeah. Five but hours? just, that's just, that's a huge chunk of your day. But so my other workout, even when I'm lifting weights, it's gnarly. You're lifting weights, yeah. you know, but my trainers know me so well. They know my load. Um, and there's a lot of therapeutic elements into my lift, into my Pilates. And so I feel like I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more agile, whatever the focus is of that workout. But I'm also getting therapy at the same time, if yeah. that makes sense. You Definitely. Know? Oh, I, th- I think I- I've shared that with my strength and conditioning coach, Jay Dyer, but we used to like hybrid. We used to call it like a hybrid session of, totally. of therapy. And because yeah. if you're really close with your trainer mm-hmm. too, you talk about everything that's going on. Yes. Yes. And it almost has to be that way when you play professionally because it's impossible to avoid the monotonous element of just training your whole life every day Mm -hmm. and and hitting a lot of the same shit every day. Yeah. So you've got to involve. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, I feel like we go through like moments in time where you're doing the same thing over, over and over. But if you don't transition, like anything you keep doing for five years is not sustainable and you're probably not going to grow, you know? And that's the benefit of, I've been with my trainers now, some for 10 years, some for almost 20. They know me so well and I love them so much because they are so curious and they keep evolving. That's so huge. You know, so they've, I've been going on the sport professionally for almost 20 years now. Like we're, we're figuring shit out, stuff out together (laughs) and they're growing with me and challenging me in different ways so that I can keep getting better and better, which is my ultimate goal. Yeah. You know, so it's fun. Do you, for like your Pilates or your, you know, your, your spinal care, Mm -hmm. are are any of those folks more recent and do you have, um, any advice to athletes around how to vet that person that you're going to work with? Yeah. Well, I've, it's a journey to find your people, yeah. you know, and, but I feel like once you find them, you know, you instinctively know. Yeah. Um, but I've fallen in love with people really quickly. And then after a year, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. yeah. like this, this feels right, but it's, I'm not getting any progress Yeah. and you just start to see fissures, you know, but for me, my most favorite way to do anything in life, whether it's for parenting schools, my trainers, whatever it is, is word of mouth from mm. people I love and, and respect. You know, yeah. I follow it's like I follow a lot of your people you follow on social. It's like if this guy who I respect, who's kicking butt, you know, physically, mentally, entrepreneurially, is following these people, there's probably something to it. Hmm. You know, not that I like bow down and accept everything they say. Yeah. So word of mouth is really important to me. Hmm. Um, my most recent trainer is Eric Walden. He's my, I, I can't even call him my thoracic guy. Like he's just kind of a movement specialist, but his whole concept, which is so cool, is that he creates space in your body. It's called pillar principles. So he creates space in your body, which usually as athletes, we're pretty tight. You know, we're misaligned and we're, we're just adding tight. muscle to that, right? Yeah. So he's like, Carrie, do not pick up a weight. We're going to create space in your body and then you're going to fill it in. Um, hmm. And it's a beautiful concept for my hips, my, you know, my shoulders, my thoracic. Like I'm way broader than I've ever been and my butt's way bigger than I've ever, than it's ever been. Um, but I'm stronger and I'm more stable. You and feel I'm great? More alive. I feel amazing. That's I've had so six good. shoulder surgeries and I saw him before my going into my fifth. Yeah. And he's just created that space. And when you have more space, like things are less pinchy, you know, and you have more Ugh. range. And now if I like dive weird, like my butt catches me. You know, instead of like going right to my lumbar, yeah. like I, this new muscle that I have and this new space that I have, it makes it more, it just protects me more. So if, if you're like me, then you started exploring this stuff because you got injured or were you exploring this pre-injury too? And this stuff being like, you know, spatial expansion mm-hmm. in, in your body and doing non-weight work and... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I've been plagued by injuries over the last five years. You so have. it's, yeah. So it's forced me to, to learn a lot. And one of the, actually just this morning in physical therapy, I had a conversation 
Um, and we were just saying, I was saying like, this is so humbling because a lot of the stuff I'm working on is like deep core or like deep muscular activation stuff that seems fairly fundamental that I've never turned on before. And here I am like thinking, you know, I'm this great athlete and I've been playing for so long and I can lift all this weight, but I can't turn on my lower rectus abdominal. Right. It's like, oh. what the hell's wrong with Preaching me? Preaching to the choir. Oh, well, hey, that's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, you've been kicking butt for how long? And now you're getting this to your toolkit? Yeah. Like, that's dope. But I agree with you. Like, those little intrinsic muscles that are so hard to tap into, I feel like when you have so much muscle, like, it's like kind of being tall. When you're tall, you get away with stuff. When you're powerful, you get away with stuff. You know, it doesn't mean your form or your technique. Um is right. So after you have injuries, I feel like instinctively you just kind of start gravitating toward what you know instinctively you need. Mm. So that's rad you're doing that. Yeah. I love that. Pilates, which I love so much, is the most humbling thing for me. It's amazing, right? I, the, my, I, my hardest, my, my biggest issue is I can never find the classes to align with my schedule because they just, <laughs> at least maybe it's different here in California, but I know on the East Coast, there would be Pilates available like once every couple of days. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I got a you. You can get in you. more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should probably have some privates, I yeah. would think. Yeah. yeah. But if you ever want to come, like I do Wednesday workouts uh, right at 2nd Street in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and it's all very Pilates-centric, but um, it's on the beach and it's cool. fun. And Great. you're always welcome. 1230. Okay. All right. So what a start to this uh, podcast. Um, you know, wait, I want to say one thing <laughs> okay. real quick, because I love that you're doing that because you're, you're in a really aggressive sport and you have to be honed. You have to be a warrior. Right. Yeah. And I think it's so cool when the toughest of the tough, the best of the best, take a step back and be like, Hey, what else can I do here? I'm having these injuries or I'm not performing the way I want to. In my case, um, I, w- I need to try another approach and Pilates, yoga, um, physical therapy might be considered meditation might yeah. be considered softer skills yeah. and softer workouts. But in my opinion, it makes you a badass and a killer. Yeah. You know, it sharpens your tools yeah. by, you know, not always going 900% like balls to the wall, like yeah. take a step back, work in stillness, work on these little things that allow you to be a killer. Yeah. that That's probably a, a, a ch- it's definitely a challenge for me and probably for other athletes too is that when you're so ingrained Mm -hmm. to like sprint hard every workout and push weight that, you know, an hour and a half of not sprinting and not pushing weight, but doing this movement stuff, you go, you get back to your place and you're like, now do I need to go work out? And I think it's just an insecurity. Well, it's our culture, you know, and we're old school probably. And we've been created to believe these things. But I think it's so cool this day and age. Like I'm 40 and I feel like the best is yet to come. And you have a little perspective now, you know, and I think that serves you well when you're young and you're hungry and you're just busting your ass and, you know, like every workout is gnarly. But I feel like if we can start it with young kids taking the knowledge that we've learned through injury, through 20 years of professional experience and teach them that it's not only the hard, heavy duty stuff, but it's also, you know, the more recovery elements it's you're you're going to be a badass from the start yeah and you will have less injuries so and that's part of what you're doing with platform 1440 is is you're engaging in a 360 Mm -hmm. way with not only featuring kind of best athletes in sport and competition but also working with the youth through an educational instructional you're incorporating a lot of what we've just spent the first 10 minutes talking about Mm -hmm. which is wellness and activity and uh thinking about things differently. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's a, it's a great thing what you're doing. I wanted to call that out because it's, Thank it's, you. it's a, it's an obvious connective point there. But before we talk about professional sports, I, I wanted to, um, hear a little bit more about your, your journey to the top. Okay. So what, you know, the first Gatorade national high school, all American, a number one recruit went to Stanford four time all American. We can go through the accolades, but, um, finding sport is a mm-hmm. unique one. So my parents are both athletes, both played in college. Yeah. Um, my mom's one of eight. They're all athletes, like gnarly, intense, competitive, awesome family. And my dad is one of four boys, all athletes. Their grandparents, my grandparents are athletes. So it was just, I was born into this environment of competing in sports. Like my fam, my, my grow my childhood was literally family sports and school. Like that's yeah. all I did yeah. every day. It Sounds was, like mine. It was so yeah. fun. It was simple, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know, and not yeah. much has changed. I mean, it's like a fuller plate, like we talked about, but it's, 
my life. But was we didn't day. have cell phones, and oh, I know, my dad outlawed God. video games, so yeah. it was really like for me, it was family sport. Yeah, to school. yo, totally. I wasn't even allowed on the house. <laughs> you know, my mom's like, "The house is clean. Get out of here." And we lived in acreage in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and I was dirty all the time and outside all the time. You know, um, but I played all the sports growing up, all the traditional stick yep. and ball sports with my big brother. We're eleven months apart, um, and mm-hmm. so I would just, I got, I was, I had the benefit of playing with him. And my mm. dad was always our coach. Um, and then when I was 10 in the fifth grade, it was volleyball was offered and I never played before. My mom played in college at Santa Clara. Um, and I fell in love, yeah. you know? So I feel like on day one, like my heart started racing and I just really loved the newness of it and the dance of it. My best friends were playing, but it felt like something where as an, I knew I was an athlete, loved sports. I felt like this was different and it was asking different things of me, which Hmm. was fun. And, and while we talked a lot about like your current regiment of workouts and how you think about it, when you were younger, were you spending the bulk of your time practicing around creativity and fun? Or did you always like think about it from a disciplinarian standpoint. No, man. I, well, my parents always said, if you commit to something, you commit, right. like, you know, you can't miss a practice for a dance or for whatever. And that was, I would never want to, you know? So for me, um, I always took it really seriously cause I wanted to feel good when I played, you know, I was pretty hard on myself cause I just wanted to get better and I wanted to kick ass. Um, but it was so fun. Like even now, you were like, really hard on yourself. I think so. Most you know, if people block me, I'm like, how did that happen and why? You know, yeah. when I'm 10, it's like, well, that's going to happen once in a while. And I just yeah. didn't agree with that. You know, yeah. even now I'm like, no, I should have the tools to get myself out of these challenges. Um, but it was fun. Like it, my idea, even in high school of a great weekend was like peppering in the backyard with my best friend, yeah. which is a volleyball drill you do, yeah. you know, um, probably the equivalent of playing catch and baseball. Like I loved it. Did I you couldn't ever, get enough. Did you ever do a lot of practicing on your own? Little things like that, yeah. you know, and my parents would scream at me because I'm hitting balls against the wall right. and I'm like using the roof and passing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I loved it, man. Yeah. So so then you go to Stanford and, and you have a great career there. And uh, at what point did you decide that like, hey, this was something, was it in college or was it till after college that this is something that I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life? I, I mean, it, I, you know, my life just keeps making sense. And hmm. so I, I really love... Whatever season I'm in, like in high school, I knew I wanted to go to Stanford. And that was my focus. As a student, as an athlete, I wanted to go to Stanford. You were living in San Jose? Yeah. So yeah. I grew up 20 minutes from Stanford. Okay. Um, I feel like for me, if I just live where I'm at and have set goals with where I'm at in college, you know, we wanted to win and I had four years. I knew that was a four-year block. Um, and I just have this thought in life that everything's going to work out for me. Yeah. Everything's going to make sense, you know. Yeah. But in, in college, at some point, like my freshman year um, – was 1996 and they had just had the Atlanta Olympics and um, the indoor volleyball team came to Stanford and we scrimmaged them and we got our asses kicked but I was able to get a kill and that like was like oh they're the best in the world and I was able to do my thing like maybe that's what I want to go so that planted a seed you know so these seeds get planted throughout my life you know and I never thought I'd play beach volleyball like consciously avoided my whole life um but then, you know, Misty May became available to try out with her. And it's like, how do you, you know, for me, who is like my idol, I know you know of Misty, right? Yeah. She's incredible. Like my, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I, th- I believe that I'm in God's hands. I believe that I'm doing my part. Um, and I believe like I manifest what my soul wants. Yeah. You, I'm not afraid to go for it. Do you, you remember know? that exact kill that you had? No, no, no I actually don't. No, but I, <laughs> I just remember being like, ah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah, I was going to um, say, when, we, when I was at Hopkins, we scrimmaged Team USA. And uh, I was, it was my sophomore year. So I was now like elevated into a leadership position because we had this great senior class that helped me along the way my freshman year. And I remember the first dodge I came out of the box, I was dodging against uh, a Doug Shanahan, who I think was, is my age now. I think he was 33 at the time and one of You're the best 33. midfielders of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and I, I thought, hey, this guy's 33, I'm 20, I'm going to dodge by him. And he completely jammed me. My experience was opposite of yours. Oh, no. I was like, okay, maybe this isn't oh, going to really? work. Oh, yeah. oh, but, but I still like, re-engineered it into a way that it, it really motivated me. But I bet. When you were drafted and first started in the AVP and then playing internationally for world championships, mm-hmm. and then you were also in the first Olympics right after... Uh, or is it the 2000? It was number Olympics? three Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So for like, beach. right out, yeah, right out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just like in it. And yeah. it, so I guess the, the, the conversation that I'm generating around is, is like 
you knew this was then the next step. So when you graduated Stanford, it was professional athlete, Olympic athlete. Yeah. And the wages were there to support that? No. 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 So I was in Team USA system since I was maybe 13, you know, doing the juniors and doing the a team and whatever, um, world university games I played in those. So I was in the system. And so I wanted to be part of that program. So in college, um, every summer, like my, I had really bad shoulder injuries in college and it kept me from playing a lot, but in the summers when I was healthy, I would go to team USA. And so it just makes sense. My senior year was 1999. Um, and I tried out for the Olympic team that would go to Sydney in 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I left school early in 2000. So it just made sense. It was, it was such a perfect eight month window to try to make this team. I made it in indoor after that. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do Yeah, because I would never, ever thought about beach volleyball. Not and, once in and, my and, life. And then you found your partner who you mentioned, Missy May. Uh-huh. And you, you, had, you guys play against each other in high school? We did. You played From, against each other. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, I got her autograph when I was 14, when I was a freshman or sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. She's so legit. So then the- <laughs> And so in college. The, yeah. So then the this is what we find in in a lot of uh, the top performing athletes in, in their respective discipline is that while you were the best in college, you were the number one recruit going into college- uh, then you get to the next level, and and it's just like everything changes. And there's mm-hmm. you now you're competing against the Brazilian team, who's right. number one in the world, and so on. Uh, you connect with Misty, and just one to two years later, you guys become basically Best the force the to, to to reckon with. Yeah, and and ninety straight wins. Yeah, we and had like, a run longer than that, but I don't know. I don't remember. One hundred and twelve or Maybe. something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like how. What do you attribute that level of next level success to? Man, it's like the perfect storm yeah. of beautiful things. You know, um, it's Misty and I fit. Like we just fit each other, you know? And if you have a great team, like you're going to be able to just grow together, you hmm. know, maneuver the challenges. And we were both very young. I was 22. She was 23. She had just had a gnarly qualifying run. She played in Sydney as well with a woman who was over 10 years older than her, you know, and she was just so excited to take a step back and grow within the game with someone her age. And so we started fresh and we had our eyes on the Olympics, which are four years away and we were committed and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, um, we stayed healthy. We stayed together. Um, I was my first time away from home. I had nothing else to do except for become the best I could be. I fell in love with my husband right when I moved down South and I had Misty, you know, so life was so simple. Um, and I don't know. It's like after every quad, quadrennial, it, the game changes a little bit. And whatever we were, which was a force, it was just that much better or different than the previous quad. We mm. were more physical and we still had finesse. Yep. You know, And we were hungry and we were determined. We each kind of had chips on our shoulders. Yep. And so all these little things fed into an amazing you know, thing. Yeah. And how did yeah. you meet Casey? Casey Thomas? Yeah. Um, the first day I tried out with Misty, I drove down from Stanford. I was still at school. Literally panic attacks the whole way. I was like, oh my God, this is like, if I mess up, it's over. We're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, Misty's parents set up a training session and sh- they wanted us just to play games against two guys in case he was one of the guys. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah. So it was a big day for and me. And now you, you guys still train with each other. We do. Yeah. yeah. And I want to do it more and more. Yeah. We were talking. He kicked my butt today and it pisses me off so bad. <laughs> He's just so good. You know, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if... This is not a fair equation, but if Federer plays Serena, Federer is going to win, you know, mm. and it's, Serena's dope. She's rad. It's just, yeah. you know, the male-female conversation is not easy to have. It's very taboo. I can piss both sides off right now, but, yeah. you know, my husband's one of the best in the world, and I'm one of the best in the world, and the guy's always going to win. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's yeah. I, I mean, I, it's, 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 a, it's a challenging debate. Um, because there have been, and, and you and Misty have, have beat duos on the male side. Uh, we were talking a little bit about just like, you know, the, the, if, if you were to, in that situation, put number one versus number one. Yeah. Yeah. No game. Like not even a thought of it. Yeah. You know, not that we, we wouldn't make great reads and we wouldn't do right. the right things, but it's just the execution of it when it's coming faster, harder, this trajectory where you, you, usually it's here, it's like here. Yeah. You know, just yeah. a lot of things. And, and the men's and women's volleyball uh, just infrastructure setup is different too, right? The net's higher for The net's for men. higher for yeah. the men. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's seven footers out there playing beach volleyball. Yeah. You know, that's gnarly. Yeah. How tall are you? I'm 6'2 and a bit. 6'2 Same as bit. my husband. Yeah. Yeah. And he's considered pretty, not small, but he's on the smaller side for men and I'm considered pretty tall, right. you know, so it's just a different world. 
When I launched Shooting Up Podcast in 2017, I hired three employees. And if you're an all-time listener, you know the story evolved, as did the business, and we launched the Premier Lacrosse League in 2018. But the hiring of key people all remain the same. We're up to 50 now. And here's how you can escalate too. ZipRecruiter allocates a personal recruiter to help you find a better job. They have the tech that can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app, let it know what kinds of jobs you're interested in, and its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you'll like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. And if an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in that job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. My listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today and let the power of tech work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job working for the Premier Lacrosse League. What was it like when you and Misty first beat the Brazilians and won your first world championship? It was rad. I had no idea. You know, I had no idea that was a world championships. I swear to God. Like we won, it was just another tournament to me. And that's the beauty of being naive and being new to the game. Wow. There's no pressure, you know? Um, I think, Isn't that unique? Because a lot of times the conversation, at least from the commentators in sports is like, they've never been there. Whether it's, uh, you know, the the Duke or Kentucky team that's comprised of all freshmen. Mm -hmm. And this is a a senior laden team that knows the moment, but you could also flip the coin and say, well, they don't know the pressure. And as a result, you know, have less of it totally. and can go out next We year. were a product of that. And I mm-hmm. think even for the 2004 Olympics, you know, we had, we were winning, like we were not losing ever, but, um, this was in Athens and this one, you Athens. guys were like in your stride. We were crushing people, great people. When I say that with all respect, cause they challenged us and it was, it wasn't easy, but the scores seemed easy, you know, but yeah, I think, um, and this I, is yeah, one lightning in a bottle, man. Too, right? Yeah. But also media was different, you know, and, and the sport was still kind of infantile back in 2003 and 2004 before Athens. And so um, it started to pick up after Missy and I won. You know, NBC put us in prime time. They, right. Dick Ebersol changed our lives forever by putting us there and recognizing the energy that we had. And then you win. When you have the opportunity to be prime time, then you win. Things change. Yeah. And we've done that three times. Yeah. You know? Things and change with sponsors and with exposure. With and the sport. Press, yeah. comms, yeah. sport. Yes. And Missy and I, I think. I remember those moments watching you, you guys play. Oh Man, yeah, it was so rad. It was so magical, um, and we had. And you feel pride as as an American statesman just watching, yeah. Because you you all were cleaning up. We were. I remember it was I like mean, that's the American oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I well, it's so funny. You know, my husband always he he taught me this. Like he's like, whenever you're nervous, like if it's for a job interview, or if you if you're going to compete, like just think of the army behind you that you have whether it's our nuclear family or, you know, your parents, your siblings, like America, like, and I've started to do that the past Hmm. couple Olympics and it's so fortifying, you know, and it's the same thing. Like it's experience is a beautiful thing. And I was going to say with Missy and I winning in 2004 and even the world champs the year before we had both been in big moments in college and in our careers, you know? So even though we were new to the sport and new to that kind of big pressure, um, it wasn't new to us in general. And that, your your success at the Olympics changed the economic profile of what you guys were building. But we we had just discussed like the challenges of a volleyball player coming into the professional ranks, and yeah. and just for all Olympic sport athletes too, where you're training for four years oh, as if you know you're a full time professional athlete, yeah. and there's risk of not making through trials and so on. Right. Um, right. But how do you how do volleyball players find that economic stability while they're playing? you know, yeah. right out of school. I mean, generally people have two, two jobs, Yeah. you know, um, or their parents support them, hmm. um, or a combination of both, you know, in beach volleyball, you don't get a salary. Um, so you live on your prize money and usually you don't have brand support sponsorships, at least with dollars behind them until yeah. you're winning and you're on TV and you're doing these things. So to go to an Olympics, it doesn't change your life, but it allows for more opportunities and usually a little bit more money comes your way yeah. in that respect. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tough go. I mean, even the players out of college, I feel like, 
it, what a perfect time to live on the couch, you know, or just like live with four roommates in yeah. a two bedroom place. Right. But the older you get, you like, okay, you're like, I'm 30. I want to be an adult. I want to make some money, but I'm still not making money in the sport. Right. And so that was the impetus behind platform 1440 is that our sport is so rad. It's so hugely wildly successful everywhere except for at the top of the game. Hmm. The athletes, they train like best in the world and they are, and they train like true professional athletes, but they're getting paid nothing. Yep. You know, and there's no guarantees in our sport. And that, I love what you're doing at Premier Lacrosse League, you yeah. know, like making the athletes owners and just being so vested. That's beautiful. Yeah. And our sport needs that also, you know, and right now we're not following that model, but we really just want to create net new opportunities for the athletes to compete Yep. because the athletes will play for nothing. That's like the beautiful thing about our sport. They love it so much to play for nothing, but it's also crushing our it's sport. It's a catch-22. Because you have no standards. Yep. You know, and if all the best in the world are showing up for no prize money, why would any promoter, why would they, why would they put a lot of prize yep. money towards something? And it's then the, and then the, sorry, and then the public doesn't care because you're like, Hey, they're playing for a six pack of beer. Like I'm not going to show up. They yeah. can't be the best. There are so many psychological layers to it because yes, athletes at their core play at the highest level because they love to compete. Mm -hmm. And if given the opportunity, they'll take it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's why, you know, unions have been formed even at the yeah. international level with women's soccer and men's mm -hmm. soccer. Um, because yes, it's an incredible honor to put team USA on and one that, uh, any athlete because of sport being so ephemeral mm -hmm. will, would not like to put themselves in a position to waste that right. even if the, even if they're being treated unjustly and compensated unjustly. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's really, if it, it sometimes can put, can put us in a taboo circumstance to where, of course we would play, but in order to take this sport and leave it in a better place commercially and professionally, mm -hmm. like there needs to be the right economic connecting field to everything that's taking right. place. And these athletes are the aspirational figures that the 25 to 29 million people in the U S young volleyball players that are playing are looking up to. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the entrant point like Tiger Woods was when he changed right. golf for big corporate brands to come in and increase that prize purse. So yep. you've got to build your business around the athletes. And if you're not willing to invest in them, then you shouldn't be in the business of sports. I 100% agree. Yeah. Can you be on my board? <laughs> We're studying you so much. It's really fun. It's so impressive what you guys are building. But yeah, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's just, it's just the way it is right now. And yeah. things are changing, you know, and... We yeah. modeled our, our, our business off of a tour-based individual sport yeah. league, right? Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. looked at a lot of what you guys yeah. were doing. Well, the nuances of what you're doing is pretty rad. Yeah. And it's really powerful. Like, yeah, yeah even every announcement, I'm like, I'm like, what's next? You know, yeah. you, like the drama, <laughs> kind of out of the like UFC book, you know, there's like right. drama behind everything. Yeah. That's, that's huge. You know, yeah, that's, people wanting more and wondering. That's what sport I like is. That. I know. Yeah. I know. So when you, yeah. when you decided in, in 2017 to step away. Yeah. And and there was a lot of heat as a result of that. But you're mm -hmm. like the, you're you're the person to do it. Where, was I the person so. to do it, um, given your track record um, and your thought process and your connection to the different athletes and organizations in the sport. Uh, what was it like? Was it pretty lonely going oh, through how? that? Was it for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still man. is. Yeah. It still is. Yeah. It's. I mean, thank God for my husband and our little team at P fourteen forty. You know, because we believe in it so much. Um, but initially, and even today, I still struggle, like when people disagree or talk shit or like undermine, I take it so personally and it hurts my heart. I'm like, cause these are like my, my peers and yeah. my friends, yeah. you know, who I, I'm like, well, don't you see what we're doing? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and they don't. And I've come to the point where I realize fear is so toxic and fear is this disgusting cloud that people are going to perceive if they, if people are perceiving through fear, you know, that's not on me, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I'm starting to realize that the athletes who we're doing this for, it's for us too, for sure. We want to compete at a high level. We want the sport to grow. I want to make money in my sport, yeah. but the athletes we're doing this for are just, they feel stuck and they're, I feel like they're like, this is this, this is where I'm at. I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm just going to take it because it's not going to change. Right. And we're going to do something about it. And then hopefully they'll be like, nice, you know, but we're already making the AVP better. Yeah. You know, they're already elevating the prize money and they're making their experiences better. And they're, because they have they're to, copying a lot of what the... we're doing, which yep. is beautiful. Like they're now athletes get free hotel rooms during the tournament. That's unheard of in our sport. Yep. You know, so it's beautiful. Yeah. And that doesn't um, exist in a lot of individual sports. No, right. Yeah. yeah and you so know? you were looking at, I mean, 
like, let's maybe go through a few to, few of those items because that for a team sports league athlete or fan, it's mm-hmm. it's very foreign. Right, right. But I remember hearing that about WSL even is like, yeah, the athletes have to go like pay their way to to get there and yes. <laughs> you know, hopefully have an opportunity to to win a slice of the purse. Right. Yeah, we're in the same boat. So we pay to train, we pay to travel, we pay for a hotel. Um, if you're in the Team USA program, you get a subsidy. Um, depending on where you are on the ladder, I think the most you can get is $1,600 a month. I get $400 a month right now. Wow. Um, which I don't care about that because I want to be a free autonomous individual. I don't want my federation telling me what to do, where to be. So I appreciate that. Hmm. Um, but no, we, to re- if I were to retire from beach volleyball, I would have way more money in my bank account and every single beach volleyball player would. Yeah. You know, you lose money playing beach volleyball. Wow. Um, but again, it's the love of the game. Yeah. You know, so Platform 1440, we are elevating the prize money. Mm. We're working on our calendar and scheduling events around already existing events because we don't want to subtract opportunities to compete. We want to add net new opportunities, you know? Yeah. Um, and then ideally, the more brand support we get, the more individual support we get, financial support we get, we'll be able to pay for the kids for their hotel room, hopefully get a hotel deal, hopefully get an airline deal, you yeah. know, and take care of the athletes that way. Right now, athletes are being asked to be exclusive to one league or the other, right? In our sport, yes. Yeah. Well, they're they're being asked to be exclusive for the AVP, AVP. not in our sport. And, and your not view, your view is like, hey, we want to just add to yes. pro volleyball and give our athletes the opportunity to make more. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so for the AVP, and God bless them, that was my home for a long time. I feel like I helped build that brand. I love that. Yeah. I just you have did. major. Yeah. You and I'm proud of that. You know, contributed I, to it in a major way. Yeah. I mean, and I if would they tell to, you the opposite. Right. It's not the truth. It's not the truth. I mean, I would go to China to promote the AVP back in the day. I've done the 5 a.m. wake-up calls for news channels for years and years. Your like, success I love in the it. Olympics directly correlated yes. to the promotion of AVP as well. A hundred percent, yeah. And the AVP made me better for the Olympics. Yeah. You know, it was a beautiful thing. So I just have a major disagreement with the management team right now, with the leadership. You know, I, I, I don't agree with how they treat the athletes or the sport, but I don't want them to go away. Yeah. That would just be pooping on what we're trying to do for the sport, which is elevate it, you know? Yeah. So it's an exciting time. You know, and I'm not here to regurgitate, we're not here at 1440 to regurgitate what's already been done. We're here to recreate, Hmm. you know, and to elevate and to maybe attack the market in a different way with different offerings, you know, um, and try different approaches. And that's what we're doing. And we had great success in year one. Yeah. And it's definitely more holistic to the, to the extent of working on the instructional side with youth and Mm -hmm. there's meditation, there's music as well. When when we talk about the, the seasonality and the events, are are those, are, are, is like each event treated as its own tournament where the purse goes? And is it kind of like how the PGA or AVP goes, is there like a tie to a longer season and, and road to a, ultimate championship ultimately we want to have a championship cool. but right now like we had three events last year and it's just the individual prize purse yeah um in the for the world tour different league um it's all individually based but your points accrue toward the olympics so we don't wow. have that yet but that's kind of the model that we're going after interesting and how do they accrue toward the olympics so like if, if you win the world championship i thought with the olympics like you have to be like with the top two teams you do. in your country? You do. Yeah, but, only two teams go. Yep. But they, so you have to compete in 12 events to even qualify to qualify. Oh, wow. And then they take your best eight of 12 finishes. So out of those eight of 12 finishes, whoever the top two in America are, will go. Yeah. As long as long as you're in the top 16 in the world. Wow. Um, yeah, it's cool. pretty exciting. But And you have a year and a half to qualify. So yeah. we have no trials. I've fought very hard against trials. For a team sport, like why the hell would you have trials? Yeah. You know, there's no judges, there's no clock. Like yeah. we need to beat Brazil, China, Germany. So I really, I think it's important to play on the world tour against the teams you're going to play in the Olympics. Yeah. So, so 2004, 2008, and 2012, three straight golds yes. with you and Misty. Then Misty retired. Mm-hmm. But quickly on 2012, yeah. uh, you were five weeks pregnant mm-hmm. when you played. Yeah, I found out I was pregnant when I was there. It was awesome. Yeah, it was so. I mean, as and, and there was early. no there was no like uh, biological impact. Speaking no. from a complete foreigner. Yeah, right? no, no. You know, I know everyone's <laughs> like that was so selfish. You can hurt the baby, and I'm like, all the research I did, and I had I had my two boys before that, and they say based your next pregnancy will probably be very much likely but like your previous pregnancies. And I had maybe two days out of 18 months of being pregnant with my boys, you know, like Mm. I 
I am one of those a-holes who love being pregnant. It's just easy. I love it. And so Casey and I just tried before the Olympics, you yep. know, in July and we're fertile <laughs> and wow. we got pregnant. And so in London, um, I had some symptoms, like there's this weird thing where whatever, whatever. It's just, I, I knew, I knew <laughs> I don't need to go into it, but it was so exciting, you know, and yeah. it was such a blessing to me because I wanted to win so bad. Um, I wanted Missy to go out on top. I wanted us to go out on top. Like, you know, and when you want something, you run the risk of suffocating it when you want it so bad. Yep. You know, there's that right amount of tension you want because if you're too relaxed and blah, it's going to fall out of your hands. If you're too tense, you can crush it. And Misty and I, the whole year leading up to 2012 Olympics, we were so afraid of losing and so afraid of not getting the, the ending that we wanted, that we felt we deserved, that we were suffocating and we were losing hmm. out of that fear, you know? And so we just hit our stride. And I think when I realized I was pregnant with Scouty, um, it cut the tension for me, yeah, you know, and it was a beautiful gift. When you had your first boy and you have three kids, you have two boys uh -huh. and a girl. When you had your first boy, were there a lot of people that, and I mean, it's, times are still evolving and need to evolve quicker mm -hmm. in gender disparity, especially in sports, but were a lot of people telling you to stop playing? Like no, what, what was the, I the never mindset? Had that. Never had it was that. more, don't get pregnant. Don't do it yeah. now. Wait till you're done. Wow. You know, I, I mean, I had people say the lamest people I trusted, you know, and they made me think, but they're like, you know, if you've had bad shoulder, like if you have a kid, you have to hold it. It's going to really jack up your shoulder or, you know, your, your pelvis is not going to be the same. And if your mm. pelvis isn't the same, your body is going to be jacked up. And, um, you know, your name is really big right now. Don't take that year or two off. And mm. it's just these things where you're like, if you make decisions based in fear again, like it's just not the way to go. And so, but leading up to getting pregnant with Joey, um, I, my, I started to hate my job. I started to resent it and my life felt very shallow, you know, cause when you're just, when you're pro athlete, you just focus on yourself 24 seven, mm. you know, and I was just ready for more. And I always wanted to be a mommy and a working mommy. And so it was such a gift to get pregnant. And, you know, I lived a life for two years. I got pregnant back to back of people forget about you in a heartbeat. So it was such a, it was such a cool perspective. Like a, it made me realize I love my job. I want to go back. B, it made, it gave me an identity outside of sport, which I think is really hard for athletes in general. Um, but C, I knew I was going back. Yeah. So it was really exciting. And it probably helped also shape new training routines and mm -hmm. methodology as well to the point around like understanding impact on pelvis and hundred percent. Pilates so became very, very central to my training. Um, when I was pregnant with Joey, uh, my first kid. Yeah. And it was awesome. Is it, that the origination of, of Pilates? Oh, uh, I have I'm no like idea. Joseph Pilates. Ignorant, I don't uh, know. To it, but yeah, I yeah. don't know. I'm just a, you know, I'm a believer. It's so timely that we're having this conversation because I've had people in my circle tell me I need to be doing Pilates and I'm just like, what are your not, injuries? Not converting around it. So I've broken my foot twice. Eesh. I've had uh, adductor surgery, lower rectus abdominal surgery. I have two uh, labrum tears in my shoulder, oh, God. Thank uh, God you're two strong. protruding discs, L4, L5, L5, S1. Okay. Um, nothing to knees that I'm aware of. So these are like the hips that chronic, I'm like every, well, I assume your hips need some help. Yeah, oh yeah. I've been spending a ton of time <laughs> on my hips. Good, good, yeah. good. Yeah. I want you to meet. Which changes everything for me. It's it. It's so, it's, if your hips are good, like above and below are going to be good. You yeah. know, I think every athlete, every young kid needs to have a great butt and yeah. really work on their hip yeah. hips. Um, pillar principles, check him out. Okay. He's right here. Okay. I, anyone who is an athlete or just a human who sits all day, like needs his work. Yeah. He's incredible. Okay. He will, will drive you out of your mind. That, that's um, one, one follow up. I'm also going to try to get down to the beach and, uh, and train with you a little bit. Whatever you want. Literally, <laughs> even in studio, if you want to come, yeah. my trainers are rad. Yeah. 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 Um, 2016. Yeah. You played with April Ross, so a new yes. partner, uh -huh. the one that you had beat in 2012. Yes, in the finals. Um, and so you've now, this is now your, is this your fifth Olympics or your fourth Olympics? Fifth. Fifth. So starting in 2000. Yes, fifth. Then Sorry. in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and now you just, I mean, we were talking about doing this podcast a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and you were over, was it in Sydney? Yeah. You were over in Sydney. You placed well. Um, and you're back on the road to 2020. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's so exciting. I'm so excited that it's my last run. Yeah. Because it just, it requires everything. Did you think you know? it was your last run in 2016? I, you know, I never did. Yeah. I think there was some hesitation to answer questions because it's like, if I win again, if we win again, like, is it greedy <laughs> to keep going? Yeah. But my heart was still in it. 
you know, um, these days I'm so excited for Tokyo 2020. I'm literally starting on the bottom of the totem pole and we have to work our way up with my partner, Brooke Sweat, who's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, well, you're number nine in the world, number three in the U S right? Yeah. So no, not we're not three in the U S no, we're like five or six. Five in the or US. six. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And we just need to suppress team USA. Yeah. We need to be one or two. My goal is to qualify as the number one team in the world. It's very possible. Hmm. And we're, Brooke ha, uh, sat out all last year with a shoulder injury, and then I had a really bad year um, just points-wise. And so we're just going to add points where the other people are going to lose points. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting. Is shoulder injury probably the most common injury in, in volleyball? or? Yeah, I think shoulders. I mean, knees, low backs. Knees, low backs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those hips. Wow. But I had two shoulder surgeries in college that were elective that were I was really pushing to getting that set me up oh for four more. Yeah. And I was so... I literally grew in college. Like my, if I can get the message out that surgery should be the last option for everyone, Yeah, you know, go every other route before you do that. It would be a big deal. People are getting, I mean, kids are getting shoulder surgeries and knee surgeries, you know, 12 and 13 now overuse. Yeah. (laughs) What is that? Amazing. Things need to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So what, what are you, what are you drinking right here? Sorry. This is, um, this, it's been misting. Let me think. I know. Sorry. I think it's coffee. <laughs> Smells good. With layered superfood creamer. Okay. Layer, yeah. Have you? Do you? Do you spend so a lot good. of time thinking about your intake and nutrition? No. 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 I, I choose wow. healthy things. Yeah. I I don't. My I think my worst issue is that I don't eat enough. You know, like yeah. busy mom, working human. Like, I, and I don't keep a lot of snacks around me, which I should. You um, know how I can tell when I when I'm not eating enough. I was just having this conversation with my brother yesterday. Yeah. Is you scarfing down your meal? If yeah. you're ever, if you're a fast eater, I, I guess that there's, there's a cohort of people that are just fast eaters. But yeah. for me, when I'm eating fast, it's signaling that I'm not eating enough. Okay. Because you just get so hungry. Oh, totally. You yeah. shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. But, I so what, 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 I guess what's your typical well. nutrition? Just clean. clean. You know, I try to eat clean, lean proteins. I eat a lot of salads. I'm doing this celery juice thing. Have you heard of it? Medical no. medium. Whatever. It's supposed to be very uh, cleansing and healing for your liver. How often are um, you every drinking? Morning. Every morning. Every morning. Every morning. First thing yeah. I do, empty stomach. Really? Um, it's awesome. I had a realization that in the past, since my daughter was born, she's turning six, I have been on seven doses, seven rounds of antibiotics because of various surgery, sinus infection, all these things. And antibiotics, um, one course can disrupt your your microbiome, your tummy for two to four years. And I've had seven wow. and I'm a hippie. I don't take medication. Like I don't, but do you when take you have surgeries, yes, you standard do. process. That's yeah. my go-to. Um, so my face freaked out and my scalp and all these things. And I just, I knew it was an inside job, you know? So I'm really just trying to cleanse and heal and um, I'm committed. So it's yeah. exciting, but um, I just try to eat clean, yeah. you know? And I, again, I need to eat more. Do you hydrate um, well? No. Neither do I. Pathetic. <laughs> That would help me so much. Yeah. Thank you. I don't, I don't think you need too much help. Well. You're, <laughs> you're doing know. just fine. I don't know. Like, I want to feel good. Like, you know, like, we both have jam-packed days, right? Yeah. I still want to feel good at, like, 6 or 7 p.m. and not be like, I'm done. Yep. You know, because that's the quality time with my husband or my kids right before yeah. bed, you know? And I'm at the point now where I feel like if I, like, tightened up my ship a little bit, I'd mm-hmm. have a little more energy or a little more... Just be a little more upbeat at the end of the day. We've talked about meditation. Yes. When did you start meditating? Big believer. Um, man, I was taught visualiz- visualization in high school. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Really? Really oh, cool. Really beautiful. Such a gift. Um, God, when did I start committing? Like probably 2011. What is committing? Uh, committing to it. Yeah. Just like... I need to do it. And do it, it needs every day? to be no. Okay. No, but like most largely. Yeah. Like I think I was Since on a fifteen day run. Wow. No, 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 no. That that's when it became my awareness, okay. two thousand eleven. And I have a love hate thing. But the past two years I'm way more disciplined. And now I kind of look at it as almost like it's part of my training regime you know, yeah. regiment. Do you think it's become it's more impactful for you because of P fourteen forty? And like now this is I just believe ownership. in it. Yeah. You know, and Yes, for sure. You know, I, I want to walk of, my talk. There's a lot of noise, right? That we were just uh, talking about <laughs> fear and yes, and that, and you're you're an Olympic athlete going for the 2020. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've found the benefits huge, and um, most of the athletes that I speak to have have the same experience. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about creating space in the body, you know, and it just puts you in a better place to move and to maneuver. Like meditation is just creating space in my brain. 
you know, and it's flushing out the BS. And, um, I'm on this spiritual journey. That's really fun right now. You know, and I talk to God every day and I ask God just for signs, just like, let me know I'm on the right path. Like ultimately I want to know without signs, but I'm just, I'm in it. And when I meditate, I'm listening to him, Hmm. you know, and when I'm praying, I'm talking to him. But when I meditate, I'm like listening to God and trying to connect him to my, you know, inner knowing. And, um, it's beautiful. Was faith a part of your upbringing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're very Catholic, yeah. um, which is beautiful. You know, I have, I have a necklace on and it's, it's in Hebrew. Um, I did, I believe, you know, we have one creator. I believe it's all the same. Different voices are different religions. I'm in the right? same boat. Right? Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, but I'm very proud Catholic, you yeah. know, and, um, but I respect all religions and it's just, it's just fun. You know, it's yeah. fun kind of, I feel like the closer I get to God, the closer I get to myself. Yeah. And in order to be the badass I want to be, in order to be the best mom, wife, human in this world, I need to be connected to myself and quiet the noise, like yeah. you said. And meditation is it. Do you ever, uh, do you ever like truly reflect on how much you've accomplished? No. You should. Yeah. Yeah. That would it's be hard, nice. still hard I'm to. grateful. Yeah, I'm just in it still, yeah. you know? Um, I have moments, like I was able to reconnect with Misty like a month ago, and I haven't seen her for over a year. And you have these moments in time where sometimes things come together and it just stops you in your tracks. You're like, oh, yeah, we did that. Or, oh, that happened that one time. Yeah. And I had that moment with her, and it just, like I wouldn't didn't want to let go of her hand, yeah. <laughs> you know? Amazing. And it was a beautiful opportunity to talk about what we created together and accomplished together. Um, but I think when I'm done... I'll be pretty blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And not by like what I did, but by like who and how and, you know, just the way it all goes down, yeah. you You're know, doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so much, I, I so want to know the end result. I want to know everything's going to be okay at the end of my career. Um, but I, the journey of every Olympics has been the best part. Take away my gold medal. I'm so glad we won, but take them away. Like, man, I grew up and I learned and I deeply connected with people along the way. Yeah. So that's how I'm really trying to frame my last Olympic go, you know, yeah. is to be where my feet are, which is my favorite saying right now. My sports psychologist says it, Mike Gervais, be where your feet are. Um, treat every moment as new, you know, don't bring past bullshit or past expectations. Like it's new. I'm sitting here with you. If we got in a fight a week ago, I don't want to bring that today. You know, yeah. I want to be new with you. Um, and so I'm trying to live my life that way. And I think it'll help me perform better. Awesome passage to leave us with. Thank you, Carrie, for coming on the show. She is truly an inspiring person and athlete. If you don't already, give her a follow on Twitter. It's at Carrie Lee Walsh. You can continue the conversation with me on social. I'm at Paul Rabel. And be the first to listen to future episodes as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one conversations with the greatest football player of all time and the greatest football coach of all time in Jim Brown and Bill Belichick. These and all episodes of Suiting Up are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. There's a shortcut to our show notes. You can review talent, news, and headlines at suitinguppodcast.com and to today's show sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Many thanks, and go to ziprecruiter.com forward slash Rabel to access the deal today. Lastly, this is the final thing. If you'd like to, I'd encourage you, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show grow until next time, my friends, have a great day.